Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Alandari, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Hope Hickerson, and I'm a health education specialist and reporter. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician... That's me, and a health education expert... That's me. Talk about what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. For more information about Noise Filter, your public health podcast, and to watch and share our incredible informative animations, please visit us at noisefiltershow.com. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to us. So let's get started. Depression and obesity, a tricky cycle. Globally, obesity rates have roughly tripled since 1975, and rates of depression are also following a steady upward trend. Obesity and mental health in the United States is a huge problem, with many public health officials calling it a crisis. Obesity and depression often go hand in hand. However, public awareness of this link is relatively low. People with obesity are twice as likely to have depression compared to people of a normal weight. The association between obesity and depression is complicated and influenced by both psychosocial and biological mechanisms. Those with obesity often experience social stigmas that affect their mental health, as well as other risk factors such as poor eating habits and lack of physical exercise and sleep disturbances. This relationship is complex and also involves biochemical mechanisms that create a vicious cycle between obesity and depression with one influence the other, and that can become a downward spiral. One of these mechanisms is inflammation. People with obesity have chronic inflammation as a result of increased cytokines, released from fatty tissues. Cytokines, to remind our listeners, are signaling proteins that can cause inflammation and are basically the building blocks of the immune system. But they're also closely related to mental health issues as well. In fact, cytokines are often used as a biomarker for depression. Research has also shown that cytokines can downregulate serotonin, which is an incredibly important neurotransmitter that plays a large role in mood regulation. On the flip side, people with depression, regardless of their weight, also have high levels of cytokines. Cytokines have also been shown to cause insulin resistance, which can lead to type 2 diabetes. Insulin is an important hormone for regulating your blood sugar levels, and when it's not working properly, it can lead to weight gain. Therefore, this cycle arises where increased cytokine release as a result of depression is contributing to obesity and vice versa, making it almost impossible to determine which is causing which. Another mechanism involved in this relationship is high cortisol levels. Cortisol is often referred to as the stress hormone because it is released during stressful or harmful situations. Cortisol is helpful when it is released for a short period of time, but chronic cortisol release is associated with depression. Mm. People with depression often have higher levels of cortisol in their systems. Cortisol production increases appetite and can predispose you to weight gain. However, the same trend also occurs with obesity and cortisol production. People who are obese also have higher levels of cortisol in their systems, which in turn can lead to depression, thus resulting in another bidirectional cycle that intensifies both depression and obesity. Essentially, these are like feed-forward mechanisms where one feeds off the other. The cycle between obesity and depression makes it challenging to treat both conditions. However, an increasing number of clinicians and researchers in the field 
believe that obesity should not be treated as a physical problem, but also that people who are obese should be accessing psychological assistance. A future where obesity and depression are no longer treated separately, but rather where both conditions are monitored alongside one another and treatment interventions designed to address both, that's the future that will best serve the total health of people in this situation. Woo, let me just say that last part that there's a number of clinicians and researchers um, that believe that those who are obese should be getting psychological assistance. That will not go over well to for a lot of people, especially we're in a time where people are fighting against fat phobia and fat shaming and accepting their bodies as they are and and being happy with where they are at that moment of time. So having a clinician just say, you need psychological assistance. I, I would hope, I hope that clinicians would take the full person into account before they say that, because that yeah. will not go over well at all. Right, I hope, so, and I never, of course, want to put words in your mouth, but let me see if I can kind of rephrase what you're saying here. So when I lived on the Navajo Nation, when I uh, was doing my public health service payback for medical school, and some of my colleagues had done a very small, they were pediatricians, and they'd done a research project. They were trying to address, you know, what we perceived as obesity on the Navajo Nation, right? They took a bunch of adolescent teenagers, you know, 13 to like 17, and they gave them a survey. The only, the only question on the survey is, what is a normal body type for you? And they had like a Likert scale, which was like, you know, very thin, maybe a little bit bigger than thin, then maybe kind of like what medical science deems as quote unquote, a normal, healthy body weight, mm-hmm. a little heavier and then heavier and then heavy, right? Mm-hmm. The predominant response was the second, not the very heavy, mm-hmm. but the one next was heavy. And so what this comes down to is what do researchers or what does science or what does medicine say, quote unquote, a normal body weight is versus what do communities That's right. Believe what normal body weights are. I think if you went to a community that maybe perceives a normal body weight to be more than what the medical science dictates, that's where, and they, and they went to those people and said, you need psychological assistance. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, they'd be marched out on their doldrums. I, exactly. I, I'm that. Exactly. Because you have different communities. And so I'm speaking specifically amongst the Navajo nation where a heavier body weight than what we would, we, the medical world would consider to be quote unquote healthy, quote unquote normal is for that community they see themselves as having a heavier body weight because that's what their parents have or their aunts and uncles or the people in their community. And that's what's quote unquote normalized for them. And to tell them that that is a function of needing psychological assistance. I agree with you hundred percent. I think that would go over like the lead weight. Exactly. Like that's why I said, I hope clinicians are taking the person as a whole into account because there are so many cultural differences that need to be paid attention to. Like you can't leave that out. And that's why I think people leave that part out. And that's so critical when you have a person, a human in front of you, right? Like you got to take those cultural differences in account. And I know in my culture, my community, which I'm African-American, a larger body type is not a psychological issue, right? Right. So if you tell me I need to go see a therapist because I have a larger body type, 
I'm going to be like, you are the one with the problem. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So one thing I wanted to add too was um, one thing I never, ever, ever do uh, unless it is a very obvious link, but I never say any of my patients have to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that they walk through our incredibly fat phobic society. Right. They get that message, you know, regularly. Right. So that they don't need a doctor to tell them. There's a ton of data that says that if a doctor fusses their patients about cigarette smoking, mm -hmm. that eventually there are some patients who will quit smoking because their doctor continually fussed them mm -hmm. on that. That data does not exist for losing weight. No. So I never fuss anybody about weight ever, 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 largely because of all the issues that you and I've talked about today. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Noise Filter podcast. Follow us on social media and leave us a review letting us know your favorite part of the show. You can find me, Hope Hickerson, at hopehickerson.com. And you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at the Dr. Derry. That's D-R-D-E-R-Y. To see and share our amazing animations and find out more information about us, the show, as well as links to our social media, go to noisefiltershow.com. We are grateful to our sponsors, including Access Health Louisiana and the End the Epidemic Initiative, who are working to bring equitable health outcomes to everyone they serve. Hope, any last words? Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your health care providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. <laughs>